Good morning, people of God. Oh, what a beautiful day the Lord has given us today. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you're like, no, it's raining. Yes, it's still a beautiful day. Yes, any day we're on this side of the grass, as my dad would say, is a good day. And today we get to give praise to our God together. So welcome. If this is your first time here, we're so glad you're joining us. If you're online, oh, thank God that we can praise God together today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, For those of you joining us online, we will be having Holy Communion later in our service. So I invite you to get some bread and some wine or juice following our time of confession this morning. A few announcements for us today. The results, we had a a vote last Sunday, if you were here uh, and a member here. The vote uh, to receive the merger with Faith Lutheran Church happened last Sunday and it passed unanimously 111 votes to zero. In fact, yeah, which is exciting. We even had, uh, yeah. We even had five illegal votes to approve as well. So even the people who aren't members here want this to happen, which is pretty exciting. We just haven't told Mark we we took his membership away. So uh, no. (laughs) I just lent it out for the day as well. Uh, so we look forward to uh, those of the, uh, you know, people from faith who are w- wanting to join us after the new year. We look forward to that time of uh, moving forward together. The annual cookie walk for our quilting group here at church is this Saturday. And uh, today is the last day you can pre-order. I saw Jan somewhere. I think she might be... Oh, is that correct? Today is the last day you can pre-order? Okay, so a cookie walk, if you're... When I first came here, I had no idea what a cookie walk it was. Maybe, do you all understand what a cookie walk is? It's pretty awesome. Okay. So a cookie walk is uh, a bunch of our members uh, and probably even people who aren't members uh, donate cookies. Christmas cookies. One of the five, I'm assuming. One of the, yes. Even those five illegal votes can bring cookies. Uh, um, and, and they donate those cookies, and so we set out tables and tables of cookies. So you come and you load up your to-go box with whatever cookies you want to have, and then you just, is it pay by the pound? There you go. And all the proceeds go to help our quilting group, his gang, continue to make quilts for those who are in need throughout the world. So it's a win-win. You get homemade cookies, they get to, you know, get supplies to make more quilts. So that's this Saturday. Times, 9.30 to 11? 9.30 to 10.30. All right. We've had lines out the, out, out the door in the past, so... Uh, yeah, you can talk to Jan for more information by the quilts out there. Also, this, last, this is the last weekend you can pre-order uh, poinsettias. Is it poinsettias? I think it is. Poinsettias for Christmas Eve. So if you're interested, let us know in the office. This time I want to invite uh, a couple of our members to come forward. Or is it just, okay, I invite Kathy to come forward. Oh, perfect. Okay. I'm here representing God's Work, Our Hands, and I want to talk to you about the WAVE project that we have um, invested in uh, last year. Uh, it was We introduced this about in March, and um, it's a, a very unique ministry, and I'm smiling at some of those people that have been a part of that. It provides mobile showers to our homeless people in Macomb County um, every Saturday. The 
the trailer with three shower stalls and a van filled with uh, clothing, uh, essentials for people, also comes to uh, United Methodist Church in Mount Clemens and um, have from 9 to 11, they can take a shower. Found out that this is, you know, a real need that of homeless people. They don't have that opportunity. So, and the van, as I mentioned, brings all these other um, items that they can pick up also. The Way Project invited churches to sign up um, to bring food and nourishment for the people that are, are hanging out at that time. And so we've been doing that. We bring things like coffee, tea, fruit, uh, snacks. Um, we've gotten to make uh, chili and sandwiches and so on. Um, so uh, King of Kings volunteered to do this on the fourth Saturday of every month. And we found it to be such a rewarding experience that we said we would like to do it for 2024 also. So um, in the, the uh, lobby out there is the new sign-up. We're asking if you are interested in doing this to sign up in groups of four. I mean, if there's two of you, you can sign your name and other people can sign up. Um, we already have two bins filled with the essentials, all the cups, the napkins, coffee crafts, uh, coffee, and so on. But then with your group of four, you would decide what other food you might like to bring. And um, we will be giving you a, um, a gift card to go and purchase that food. And you really only have to uh, show up about 10 minutes before 9, uh, they have a table for you, and you you put out your food and enjoy talking to the guests um, at that time. So we're, the sign-up in the lobby is for the first six months of 2024, and if you're interested, we um, welcome your participation. Oh, by the way, one other thing is after you've signed up during the month that you are going to go, um, myself or someone else from God's Work Our Hands will meet with you and go over all the procedures and things like that. So thank you. And now I'd like to invite Sandy, who's been involved, and to share some of her experiences. Thank you, Kathy, for lowering the microwave, the microphone. It would have been up here. Um, just to add to Kathy, when I heard a mobile shower trailer, I was picturing like um, school gym with like the individual showers. No, these are like bathrooms. You go in there, they open it up, and there's like a shower with a beautiful shower curtain and a sink with a mirror so they can shave, and there's a toilet in there. Something that a lot of them don't get. You know, they try to get into public bathrooms and wash themselves in a sink or something. So just for human dignity, it makes a difference. For me, meeting these people and talking to them is amazing. They are wonderful people. There was a gentleman, and I've told a few of you, that came up and he was barefoot. And he had packing tape on his feet with leaves underneath and we were talking to him, and he said that he had sores on his feet from shoes that didn't fit. And he put the leaves over the sore to keep the tape from sticking to his foot. So that's the kind of things. Just handing him a Band-Aid was a miracle for him. 
Handing somebody a pair of socks is a miracle for them. There was another young gentleman that came up, and he was very meek, and he walked up to the table, and we had, like, sandwiches and chips and granola bars and all different kinds of things. And he walked up, and he just took a banana, and we said, would you like a sandwich? And he said, would that be all right? Like, very quietly. He looks about the same age as my son, but very quiet. And he said, no, no, this is enough. This is enough. Leave stuff for everyone else. And I got to talking to him, and he said, you know, people think that I'm stupid, and I'm not. So we make judgments about people when we see them on the street, and we may be afraid of some of them. You don't have to be afraid of them. And the last one that I wanted to talk about was a young woman that came up, and she had no teeth. She was probably in her 20s. Um, tattered clothing, dirty coat, and she was thanking us, like beyond belief, for being there and for providing them with food. And then she asked what she could do for us. And we're like, nothing, you know, just be here, just talk to us. And she said, I can sing you a song. And we said, okay, that would be good. You know, I, if, if I told somebody I could sing them a song, it would probably be row, row, row your boat or something. <clears throat> um, she said, would you like to hear Amazing Grace? And that song always makes me cry. Every time it comes on, I cry. I don't know why. Um, this woman started singing, and she had a beautiful operatic voice, like that you would go to a concert to hear this woman sing. It was beautiful. Everybody, there were probably 40 to 50 people standing around. Everybody stopped. Everything got silent, and then the man with tape on his feet came over and gave the most wonderful prayer over all of us. And it was amazing. So don't be afraid. Talk to them. They're, they want to be seen. They don't want to be invisible. And sometimes God sends us angels in tattered clothes. So that's it. Wow, I think that's your sermon for the day. I think I'm, there's nothing more I can add. Uh, well, you notice behind us there is a, a new set for tonight. There'll be more in, uh, about that later in the service. I don't want to steal any thunder from the kids with their creative interruption today. Uh, but at this time, as we uh, enter into the season that we call Advent, uh, I invite Rich and Kathy to come forward. If there ever was a year we needed Advent, this is the year. We hesitate to reflect on all the mess around us. All we know is that nothing seems right. Nothing seems like it used to be. Nothing. We need Advent. The prophet Isaiah cries out for us, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down to make your name known so that nations may tremble at your presence. So tear through the mess, O Lord, and come down to us again. We long to be your people, a people of hope. Today, we light this first candle as a sign of our hope. Hope that you can meet us, even in the mess of our world. Hope that you still see us, though we feel we are lost in the rubble. Let this light be the guide that brings us to you once more. O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
before we jump into our opening praise song, I invite you to stand as you are able and greet the neighbors you have around you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. By your merciful protection, awaken us to the threatening dangers of our sins and keep us blameless until the coming of your new day. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the season of Advent. Advent comes from the Greek word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. It's technically the first season of the Christian calendar, and it's four weeks long, the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. To help us visualize these four weeks, we have an Advent calendar of sorts that we call the Advent wreath. You notice we just lit the first candle a bit ago. It's a combination of four candles with a Christ candle in the center to count down the arrival or the coming or the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The four candles also represent four different themes. Maybe you picked up on the prayer that, you know, uh, that was shared just a bit ago with Rich and Kathy. Four important lessons that we can focus on we are, while we are waiting for uh, Jesus' arrival. The four themes are this. Hope, peace, joy, and love. So we're going to dig into these four themes a little more this year with the intention of making this time of Advent mean a little more to us. So, care to go on a journey with me? All right, yeah, I'll convince you as we go, yeah. And to help us, we're going to be spending our Sundays of Advent reading through the book of Isaiah, which is not a book that we normally get to read through. Uh, it's a book filled with amazing stories of God's faithfulness and, and a book filled with human emotion, a book that was started to be written about 2,700 years ago. The 8th century B.C. is what they think the beginning of Isaiah was first written. And yet, even though 2,700 years have passed, it's still a book that speaks to us in our situation still today. So, I'm just excited. We're going to call this an Advent with Isaiah. Why not? So we're going to dig in. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 46, starting in verse 1. I invite you to follow along on the screen as we read this together. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We've all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. 
We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. You could tell this was written in a time when things were probably not going so well for the people of uh, Isaiah's time, right? He's acknowledging the very real uh, realities that uh, they have kind of gone astray, that they have forgotten who has always been there for them and through them and with them. And so Isaiah uses this moment to lament, uses this moment to say, yes, Lord, We've made mistakes. Yes, Lord, we've gone astray. But at the same time, please never forget, you are our Father and we are yours. Use us, mold us, create in us something new. Which is what I feel like this season of Advent is really all about. And I feel like it really lines up well with the the theme of our first candle, which is hope. So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited, maybe a little bit unsure, right? I mean, by show of hands, how many out there have ever dreamed or or talked about a future you were excited about? You remember those feelings? Right? Of course we all have. We call that hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy uh, human existence. Without hope, there is no future. Without hope, there's no potential for things to be better. There are no better tomorrows. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are a few words of hope in the ancient languages that that we're going to dig into a little bit more because they're fascinating. So in the Old Testament, right, we're reading from the book of Isaiah. There are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yakal. Everyone say yakal. We're going to learn some Hebrew today. You're going to go home and be like, yeah, I know yakal. Yes. Yakal simply means to wait. That's it. So uh, in the story of Noah, remember Noah and the ark, right? The floods reigned, okay? As the floods were receding or retreating back, Noah was yakalling. He was waiting for those waters to go away. That was yakal. The other Hebrew word is kavah. Everyone say kavah. Now kavah also means to wait, but in a slightly different way. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. Okay, so when you pull a kav or a cord tight, you produce a state of tension until there's some kind of release. That's kavah. The feeling of tension and expectation. You know that something is going to happen. And so you're waiting, kind of not quite on pins and needles, but you're expecting and anticipating something to happen. It's kind of a more exciting waiting. 
In another reading, Isaiah talks about God as a farmer who plants vines and kavaz. He waits excitedly for those grapes to appear. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kaval and yakal, morning dew to give moisture to their land, hoping and waiting excitedly for those crops to grow. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about expecting and waiting, but waiting for what? In the period of Isaiah's prophets, when Isaiah was being written, okay, the nation was sinking into self-destruction. The thing about Israel is they had the best land. As, as they came out of Egypt and went through that wilderness, that exodus, they entered into the promised land, the land filled with milk and honey, and it just so happened to be the land everyone wanted. It was the best for farming, for living, for natural resources. And so, of course, that meant time and time again, there was going to be conflict. And at the moment, when Isaiah was, was writing some of this, he said, yeah, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will caval for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was that God himself, God would enter into their lives and make things change. Not call, but caval, with an expectation, with a hope. You find the same notion of hope all through the book of Psalms. There's uh, like 40 different times throughout the book of Psalms when you find Yakal and Kava. In almost every case, what they are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from the pit of despair, I Kava for the Lord. Let Israel, you call for the Lord because he's loyal and he'll redeem Israel from its sins. You hear those words time and time again because hope is so important. Hope involves not only waiting but also anticipating, expecting there to be a better future through the help of God. Hope is a powerful thing. And as I was debating on whether or not to go with the New Testament or Old Testament, I felt like this theme of Advent was was just a message that we needed to hear today, especially this first one with hope. Because life gets hard, amen? Whether through broken relationships or or job transitions or or health failures or I know this time of year is always tight on on the pocketbooks for people because we have so many expectations that we have to provide for our kids or for our family or friends. Or God forbid we lose a loved one. Life is hard. And at times, it may feel like the future is uncertain or bleak or, or without hope. But here's the thing about hope in the Bible. Biblical hope is based on a person which makes it different from, from optimism. Okay, I think we get those mixed up. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances can work out for the best. Okay, That's being an optimist. But hope isn't based on circumstances. It's not based on what's going on in your life. And we know this because of the stories that we read in the Bible. The people who choose to have hope are literally in the situations that many might might see as hopeless. 
It's not based on their circumstances. Like the prophet Hosea. He lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires over and over. They were basically waiting for the next army or the next issue or the next problem to kick them to the curb. And yet Hosea chose to hope. Not because they thought, you know, everything's going to be better because of the circumstances, but because of God. Because of all the stories that they had heard and read about God saving God's people, about God following through on God's promises, Hosea chose hope in the midst of all that was going on. So you could be going through the worst time in your life and still hold to hope, even if you're a pessimist. How's that? To trust in Kavah, to believe that God follows through time and time again. It's the kind of hope the disciples held on to through the the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That empty tomb opened up a door to to a new hope, a living hope, a hope that was life-altering. Even when Jesus reascended into heaven and they all saw that, there was still hope. God had just left their presence. And in the midst of it all, they held to hope. When you have that kind of hope, to dare to believe that our God is so strong, even death can't slow God down, then any time we come up against any adversity in life, we can still refuse to let that situation change who we are because there is always hope. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here, people? This Christian hope is a bold invitation today to each and every one of us in this season of Advent. We start with hope for a reason. Because it all starts with hope. Some would say it's crazy. And maybe it is. But the hope we find in Jesus isn't based on the odds. We have a God of miracles. Do we understand that? Do we, have a, do, we, do we really understand that we have a God who works in the impossibilities? Who takes the weakest and makes them strong? Who takes us at our most vulnerable moments and chooses to use us to do incredible things? That's the kind of God that we have time and time throughout the entire Bible. That's the kind of God that invites us into this thing called hope. That even when all the odds are stacked against us, there is always our God. And because of that, there's nothing we can't handle. There's nothing we can't get through. There's nothing that can stop us. Because our God can even go through death. And so, dear ones, may you and I come to trust that because God is always working around us and with us and in us and through us, that there is always a better future to come. You may be here today feeling like life is just great and and everything's okay and maybe this message isn't like rocking you to your core but I need you to hold on to this. Hear this message, put it in a little jar, sock it away for a while because life will get hard again. And when it does, may this moment of hearing this word and this promise help. And if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're going... I don't know if I can put one foot in front of the other. 
then you too need to hear that there is always hope. That you are loved by a God who so desperately wants to be a part of your life that he gave his up. That so desperately wants goodness to enter into your life that he refuses to take a a day off. That you have a God who is so powerful no matter what you're up against is just a pebble of sand to God. So may you enter into this Advent with this this concept, this, this idea of hope and hold on to it. Both hands, squeeze it tight. That no matter what you're going through, you've got hope. And now that you've heard this promise, this promise has been delivered to you, get outside these walls and tell someone else, please, not for my sake, not for your sake, but for theirs. That's the invitation today. May you not only hear that through our God you will always have hope, but may you dare to share that with someone else going through a hard time. And it's not the, don't worry, things will get better. It's the, with our God, you are loved. And because of that, there is tomorrow. What an invitation. Amen? Amen. Uh, um, Tune in next week as we learn about our second candle and our second theme being peace, which of course is a much-needed topic as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough for the gift of this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be invited into your word, a word that's been written so very long ago, and yet at the same time is a word that speaks to our hearts today. Lord, whatever is going through in our lives at this moment, let us dare to trust and believe that you are with us. And because you are with us, we can yakal and kava, and we can wait, anticipating, knowing that you will act, knowing that we are okay because you are with us, that we are more than okay because we have the God of the cosmos on our side. Lord, we ask you for your presence throughout our week, that even in the toughest times, you may remind us that you are good, that you are strong. Because of that, we can hold to our hope. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. We now take a time to respond to all these promises that our God delivers to us through the giving of our offering. Amen. I invite you to... Oh. (laughs) Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. With hope and with expectation, we offer our prayers for the church, the world, and for all who await God's day of restoration. At the end of his little prayer, I will say, Merciful God, please respond with, Receive our prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, call your church into holy fellowship as we await the restoration of all things. Re-energize your faithful people to live with hope and compassion. Center us on your promise to come among us and to make all things new. Merciful God, receive our prayer. All creation signals your presence, O God. The vastness of the cosmos the turn of the seasons, 
and living things that both rest and flourish, rekindle our commitment to care for this earth. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Let the nations tremble at your holy presence, that justice and liberation prevail in all corners of the earth. Restore peace to nations in conflict. Teach righteousness to corrupt leaders and systems and bring stability to areas facing uncertain futures. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Enrich the spirits of all who feel hopeless, fearful, or despairing. Stay close to those who await healing or relief, especially those we now name either silently or out loud. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Be with those who keep awake at night, nurses working overnight shifts, caregivers of newborns and aging adults, stargazers, those who are anxious or those who are traveling. Reveal to all that the dark can be a place of calm and comfort filled with your presence. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now take a moment to uh, reflect on our week and to confess those times when we have failed to live as God calls and invites us to live. And we do that together using these words. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear these words, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given over to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all of our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say, Amen. For those of you joining online, we invite you to take out your bread and your wine, or for those of you who are communing from your seats, to take out your communion kits as well. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it, then gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, 
saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Soon the ushers will come down the aisles to uh, invite you to come forward for communion. Uh, as you come forward to receive, uh, the first person will be, will be handing you uh, the body of Christ. Then you move to the next person to receive the blood of Christ, which on the tray you will find two different colors. The white is grape juice in the middle and the red is wine around the outsides. After you consume both, we invite you to walk around the outside where you'll find a basket to drop you off your communion cup. Also, if any children would like to come forward, this is a wonderful opportunity to receive a blessing as well. We would absolutely love to give a blessing. Now, for those of you either at home or communing from your seats, uh, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. For the rest of us, come, for all is ready. I invite the deacons to come forward at this time. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. May you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. What is this? Well, looks like things are finally coming together for the annual Christmas pageant here in Herald. It sure is. My bed and breakfast is booked solid. That's great news, Alan. And the bobbin appleheads I'm making out of Ellen's crab apples are turning out nicely. That's debatable, Gary. Now, what about concessions? I think Anna said she has that covered. Wait, where is Anna? I told her we were meeting today and finalized the details for the big event. Sorry, something came up in the kitchen. And by up, she needs to set the ceiling on fire again. It was just a small spark, nothing to worry about. It was awesome, there was flame everywhere. Did the cookies survive? Most of them. Those were supposed to be for the audience at the annual Christmas pageant. Sorry. We were hungry! Now what are we going to serve at the concession booth? You can have my hat! Or my mitt. I guess you're not going to want to eat your smelly old baseball mitt, Connie. Don't knock until you try it. I'll get started on a new batch of cookies tonight, Sal. Don't worry. Great. Then that just leaves the nativity pageant. The Harold Christmas pageants are always amazing. I'm sure Mrs. Parker has everything under control. Don't speak too soon. What is it, Mrs. Parker? It's my angels. Two of them missed rehearsal yesterday complaining of a sore throat, and two more left early today. I'm sure it's just from all the singing they've been doing. 
I'll whip up some of my famous lemon tea and bring it over straight away. Thanks, Ellen. Because I'm afraid without my angels, there's no way we can put on this year's Christmas pageant. No Christmas pageant? Now that's just the kind of headline I need for the Herald Herald. Can I quote you on that? Not so fast, Jane. Everything's going to be just fine. Herald Christmas pageant performance scheduled. Isn't that right, Mrs. Parker? Well... Will the angels be better in time to perform in the annual Herald Christmas pageant? Will my mom bring down the kitchen again? Hey! <laughs> will Chaz and Connie eat all the cookies? Yes! Yes, we will! Will someone please tell me where that awful smell is coming from? That's the Bob and Applehead. Sorry. Get the answers to all these questions and more this afternoon at 2.30 for the Great X Drama Ministries' performance of The Herald Angels Learn to Sing. And you won't want to miss it. And you can quote me on that. I can't stress enough how amazing this play will be. That is what this set is up here for. So 2.30 today... We have all of our kids and adults that are participating, but mainly kids. Uh, a brand new play that is written by one of our very own, Tracy Wells, and put on with uh, help of her husband, Eric Wells, who is one of our high school drama directors uh, at Eisenhower, I believe. So uh, it's awesome stuff. So we invite you to come back 2.30, support these kids, as they are just a delight and a treat. With all that, I invite you to stand as you are able as we sing our sending song. Amen. People of God, may you leave this place knowing that you carry with you the hope of Advent. And with all that, go in peace and share the good news. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Notice how I made you wait for that? Yeah. (laughs) 